Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated um, by Stephen Rapport in honor of Rabbi Ariel Mizrahi. Hazaku Baruch. Breakfast in the Class is also dedicated for the Fuash of Moshe Ben Farah, sponsored by Charles Dawish. And as well, Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in honor of Daniel and Sapir Oheb Shalom and the entire Oheb Shalom Aryeh family for their endless kindness, kindness and derecheretz. May they be blessed always and for generations with the goodness and kindness that they so graciously gift the world. And that is sponsored anonymously. Hazaku Baruch. Rabutai, I want to share with you um, something that's brought down the name of the Katab Sofer. He writes as follows. The Pasuk says, asher pakad Aharon. These are the countings that Moshe and Aharon counted the Jewish people. Okay? They counted... Israel, they uh, all the ones that went out to uh, to work in the, to be in the army. Um, uh, the number was six hundred and three thousand, whatever exactly the number is, right? Um, uh, that's the pikudim. Three times it mentions the pikud, the counting in the pasuk, and the question is, why does the pasuk reiterate three times? They were counted by Moshe and Aaron. Who was counted? The, you know, the ones that were eligible of, of eligible age to serve in the army. And the final, the final number was, this was the number of the Jewish people, 603,550, okay? Now the question is, my, my friends, and this is a, a very beautiful question that he's asking in terms of the, the uh, intriplicate we're mentioning this point. It must be, he says, that each part of the Pasuk is there to teach you a lesson. And he says, and he quotes Ramban, and he says as follows. The first idea is there's three different reasons why um, they should be counting here. One reason is uh, they should be counted here because of uh, the fact that they're being counted by Moshe and Aharon. Well, that's a little cryptic. We'll come back to what that means in a second. The second reason why they should be counted is because before people went to war, you, you got to know how many troops you have. You know, Isaac wants to say Kaddish. You had to check how many troops do I have for the class? Somebody wants to leave? He says, no, you can't leave yet. I need you for the Kaddish, okay? You got to check the troops. And finally, Rabotai, the last, uh, the last pikud is to show that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had done a tremendous kindness with the Jewish people. They had come to, to Egypt with only 70 souls, and here they were in the desert. How many of them were there? There were over 600,000 men between the ages of 20 and 60. So the point of the counting was the Kiddush Hashem, was the gratitude the Hoda'ah, I'm not sure if they said Halel after they finished praying Shacharit, but the point is that they, they, they were able to notice the kindness of Borei Olam in terms of the population explosion. Really, the first reason that's brought in the Ramban is something that I think all of us could think about and can try and grapple with on our own level. Let me explain. Our parasha begins by talking about counting the Jewish people. Se'u et rosh adat b'nei Israel. Count the Jews. Rashi says, what do we see from here? You see how dear and how beloved the Jewish people are in the eyes of God. Because he's constantly counting them. This halakha has, finds expression in the, in the perek of Baba Kama called Elu Misiyot Shelo Elu Hayav Lachriz. What's the halakha? Let's say a person finds a lost object on the field. They find the object that, you know, they have to return it. If there's no siman, generally, you're allowed to keep an object that has no siman because no one can provide the identifying mark. Amen. 
Oh, a tova metiv that is right there. Yeah? Now, the interesting thing, Rabotai, the interesting thing is, what happens if you find an object, but you found it before the person noticed that it was missing? Since you're before Yush, you picked up the object before the person gave up hope. In a scenario like that, one, the Gemara says that a person, they're not really allowed to keep it. Because even though when the guy will notice, he'll give up hope of, of getting it back, here it came to your hands before the person was, did Yush. He still thinks he has it. Says the Gemara, but what about an object which is very expensive? person has a, a pouch of money, something which is very expensive, okay? In a case like that, says the Gemara, a sui adam person is used to people are checking their pocket the whole time to make sure that the objects that they have are with them, right? So, you know, they say uh, this is a, this halakha of mishush, of, of feeling your pockets the whole time if your wallet makes it that if you found a wallet in the street, you know that the person realized it already because people check all the time. That's what it says. Same thing, by the way, phone today, as Isaac pointed out. How often do you do this when you leave now? Right, wherever you go, you know, and it's an amazing thing. You know, we take your phone every day. How many times do you leave it behind at home? Very, very rarely. You know, could you imagine if we felt the same way, the Gemara says, Ashre Misheba Lekan, praiseworthy is he who comes here, let's talk about the world to come, Vitalmudo Biado, and his Gemara is in his hand. Could you imagine if we, that way, we felt our pockets to make sure we had our little mini Chumash with us, our mini Gemara, like to make sure that there wasn't a, if there's going to be extra time, you had, a, you had an ability to learn. So now you have some people thinking, yeah, but I have my Gemara on my phone. If only that was the reason why you were checking for your phone. <laughs> By the way, I think as well, you know, we need to create a situation, somebody needs to get on this, where we have an app, and the app puts up a red little notification every time there was a chidush said somewhere in the Torah that you don't know. So we, we've trained ourselves that the minute a message comes up with the thing, number one, the one, with the two, you can't leave it, you got to go check it. Could you imagine if we created that sense of urgency, if we gamified the studying of Torah to the point where people could become at least addicted to something, to something wonderful like Talmud Torah. Coming back here, Rabotai, what do we say? If something is precious, you're checking it all the time. So says Rashi, quoting the uh, Midrash, Rashi says, you see how dear the Jewish people are to God that he's counting them all the time. When they left Egypt, you see the Torah counts them. When they did the sin by the Egel and they all, many of them died, God count them. Ladat minyana notarim. To know how many they were left behind. When it came to the, 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 the Mishkan, God counts them again. Counting them all the time illustrates how beloved they are to God. So this question always bothered me. You're telling me that the reason why God's counting them is because that's how dear they are to Him. But we know that when a person counts something, if you count it incorrectly, what happens? It brings an ayin hara on the object. In fact, the Gemara says, "En davar, en beracha sharui al davar beracha is not uh, doesn't rest on something. Elam ken samui min ayin, unless it is what's it called? It's hidden from the eye. People would specifically not count their money back in the day in order 
to have their money not be a davar shibiminyan, it wasn't counted. So we're left a little bit with a dichotomy or a contradiction. On the one hand, the Jewish people are dear to God. On the other hand, even if they're dear to God, that's a reason not to count them. Because of the Ainara. That's what the Pasuk means over here. These are the Pikudim. Asher Pakad Moshe the Aharon. That who counted them? Moshe and Aaron. The same way we're worried about counting because of Ayin Ara in a person that's going to be begrudging your success, we are also happy to share the Pikudim with Moshe and Aaron. Why? Because they have an Ayin Tova for the Jewish people. So each time Moshe and Aaron counted, there was a Beracha. I learned from this a very interesting concept uh, in Hashkafah and Halakha. You know, you don't tell someone your success is because of Ayin Ara. What if there's somebody that you know is a, a wonderful person, has a real Ayin Tova? They're really going to be glad for you. Vira'acha, he'll see you. Visamach belibo, and he will rejoice. You see from here that you should share with them that good news. Because when the person then rejoices, they say, they say Mabruk, they say Mazaltov. We think that that's just a figure of speech. But what the person is actually doing is giving you a biracha that you should have, good mazal. I was thinking this just last night. I was at a wedding, and you know, everyone's dancing. Everyone, you know, people are dancing, they're rejoicing. And I thought to myself, you know, if a person is at a wedding and they're dancing and they feel simcha for the chatan and kala, if it comes from the fact that they love them, that they wish them well, then according to Harambam, they will mekayem mitzvah from the Torah. Not only that, and we see from Aharon that when he saw the success of his brother, he rejoiced. Our rabbis tell us that it's harder to rejoice in someone else's joy than it is to uh, give them a shoulder to be feel, give them the empathy during their moments of pain. So it's harder to celebrate with someone than it is to commiserate with someone. So that's a beautiful level. So you can go to a wedding and dance and tell yourself, oh, when can we get out of here? I, you know, I got the picture, now he knows I came. You know, you go to the guy, oh, my brook, my brook. And you're like, honey, let's go, let's go, right? Person could do that and, and run away from it or the person could show simcha, could dance and they're, tremendous, they're fulfilling a tremendous mitzvah. Rabbi from this we learn a beautiful lesson. And Rav Moshe Feinstein said this lesson so beautifully. I'm going to combine the words of Rav Moshe Feinstein and the Hatam Sofer. From Mi Moshe Ad Moshe Lokam Ke Moshe. Rav Moshe Feinstein said that you know why we're counting the Jewish people over here? He says, after everything the Jewish people went through in the desert, up until this point, Boreh Olam wanted to show them, we just did all the curses, we did all the negative things in Pashat Kotai. What's going to happen if a person doesn't follow in the right ways? We read all of the stories of a person losing their money at the end of Parashat, in, uh, Parashat Behar. Says the Torah, no matter how, how difficult times get, recognize that Borei Olam is counting each and every individual human being. The Khatam Sofer points out that in the counting of the tribes, there was a, uh, they would round off the numbers to the nearest whole digit. But when it came to the number, to the global number, there it's not. And he says, he explains something unbelievable. He says, really, you don't need to give me each number of every tribe and then give me the full number. I could write them down on a piece of paper. I could add them up myself. Says the Khatam Sofer, even if there was a rounding off when it came to the tribes, 
When it came to Am Yisrael, in Am Yisrael's number, it was an exact number. That number had to be exact. That's what the Khatam Sofer said. Why? To teach this concept. That no matter how many Jewish people there are, there's a reason and a purpose in you. There's a reason and a, uh, a power uh, that you were brought to the world to be able to fulfill. And I think that's also a big part of this concept of standing up and being counted. Now in the United States of America, they also have a census. But the census, my friends, ironically, although it counts numbers, it doesn't count individuals. It counts for the sake of counting large numbers, to understand how many seats they have in Congress. New York, New York State lost the seat this, this go-round because the census was 49 people too short. Did you know that? We lost the seat. You know what? That seat went to Florida, like everyone else from New York. Either way, the point is, Rabutai, at this stage, we start to look at this concept and ask what it is that a person represents. Now, I want to, if I could just draw this, this idea into, a, uh, into a, a, a concept for all of us. Now, we all heard in the news uh, <clears throat> about the fact that China sent up a rocket into, the, uh, into outer space, and then the rocket, uh, you know, it basically fell apart in space and came crashing down to Earth in an uncontrolled re-entry, no one knew where it was going to land. If they, they gave us uh, six or seven different places where the, the ship could, uh, could land, you know. And I think a lot of people were very scared, and I was not surprised at all. After all, it was made in China. But the point is, Rabotai, this item, you know, <laughs> sorry, uh, Isaac, I don't want to point that any item made in China doesn't mean this item was also made in China. It's serving us well up until this point. But you know what? The danger of this falling is not great. If you're going to make something and chuck it into the sky on top of everybody's heads, maybe, uh, maybe you don't want to make it in China. But the point, Rabbi Utai, <clears throat> is that when they went into China, you know, when China went, went up to the moon, I think that there's something that they want to do. Back when America was the first, the first in, the, in the space race to reach the moon, they planted a flag on the moon. Now, what is the point? Was the point that they wanted to declare the moon in the name of America? You know, which space court were they going to go to decide that matter? Like, you know what I'm saying? What were they going to do with it? What's the concept of planting a flag somewhere? There was once a time when if a person discovered a new land, they were able to put a flag there, and that indicated, in terms of colonialism, that it was theirs, okay? My friends, in our parasha, we also read about flags. But the flags were not about conquering a place. So the Chinese also want to get into space race, because everyone wants to claim a piece of the action for themselves. Whether it's a place in space to colonize, whether it's an ability to put, um, you know, uh, uh, um, satellites in space, Everyone wants to claim something. So they're putting the flag there because that represents that the people of China or the people of Russia or the people of America were here. But my friends, the flags that are talked about in our parasha, they represent each tribe. Each one of the Shivatim had a specific power. Now it's such an interesting thing because if you ask a person which Shevet they were, which Shevet they're from, today most people don't know. The, 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 the exception to the rule of people who know which Shevet they come from is really only Kohanim and Levim. They know they're from Shevet Levi. So if they have the, that commitment, they have, excuse me, if they have that knowledge, then they know when they're from. But most other people, they don't know what tribe they're from. It was a very powerful thing back in the day to understand that the Koch of your tribe, which is elucidated both in Berkat Yaakov Avinu, 
when he blessed his children, and also by uh, Moshe Rabbeinu in Vezota Beracha, there was a blessing that was given to the tribes. And the blessing of the tribe categorized what that tribe's koach was in our world. Now I'm sure every single human being in that tribe represented a facet of what that, what that tribe brought to the world. But at the same time, they were within the parameters of the koach of that shevet. My friends, so I just like to think about this. When we talk about the fact that we want to have Moshe and Aharon count the Jewish people. Why? So they should look at us with an ayin tova. They should uh, give us beracha, bless us to be more and more Jews, to develop, to proceed, etc., etc. When we think about that idea of receiving blessing from those that look at us by ayin tova, we think about the fact that God fear, feels that each and every Jew is dear to Him. We think about these ideas. It's also important to think about <clears throat> understanding what it looks like to put up a flag in the world that we live in. You know, they had a digalim in the Midbar. It was something that was so beautiful. The Jewish people, each nation had a flag that they flew when they were traveling in, uh, in the Midbar. And maybe today, I don't know if my flag is the flag of Yehuda, if my flag is the flag of Yisachar. Do I represent uh, the Talmidei Chachamim? Do I re represent the Giborim? Do I represent the merchants, the Shevet of Zebulun that uh, supported Torah? I may have any one of these things. But even though I don't have my tribal flag, each and every one of us has our personal flag. And as I said earlier in the name of the Khatam Sofer, that while when we referred to the tribe, we rounded off the numbers, when it came to counting the Jews as a whole, the number had to be exact. Because there couldn't be one person that was rounded up, that you know was to the nearest 10 or to the nearest 100. When it comes to Am Yisrael, Borei Olam plants every Jew on earth with a specific reason, with a specific flag, if you will. And the question a person needs to ask themselves at one stage in their life is what is it that they leave behind as a legacy? And what is it that they stand for or that they represent? You know, the flag of Russia used to have a scythe on it and I think a, and a hammer, okay? That represented the workers, it represented the farmers, it represented communism. So the red flag of Russia stood for what Russia stands for. The stripes and the stars and stripes of America represented the colonies and ultimately the states. And it spoke about the fact that they were free uh, from the colonial powers, from England, from France, from Spain, uh, and that this country represented democracy. The she'ela that a person needs to ask themselves, Rabotai, is what is the degel that they are flying in this world? That is a separate question to which mitzvot are you doing or not doing. That question asks, who are you and what are you representing? What do you stand for? When people look at you, what do they understand? At this wedding I went to last night, I have to tell you, there was a guy who looked exactly like Sammy Sutton, okay? But he looked like if Sammy Sutton went to an Ashkenazi yeshiva for 30 years, okay? And then put on a black hat and grew peor behind his ears. He looked, he was Sammy's doppelganger, but just the black-hatted version that was very, you know, uh, Ashkenaz. Sorry? It was you undercover. It was you, okay, fine. <laughs> Sammy's, he's looking for customers no matter where they come from. All right? <laughs> so he goes everywhere. He, he goes to Lakewood, Sammy, and he's like, Gesundte Brach. They're like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's like, I know, I know, I'm joking. <laughs> My friends, you, you gotta understand. I looked at this guy, I'm dancing across from Sammy Sutton, the black hat version, okay? 
and I'm coming this morning and I see Sammy Sutton, the black cap version. And I think to myself, Boreo Lam sent these two guys down to this earth. They look the same. You know, if you, you know, if you, if you would see them in the dark, you might not know, you might not know the difference. But ultimately, they, maybe their lives are very different. What they brought, you know, and the way that they're acting and the way that they think is very different. Not that one is good and one is bad. Not even that one is b- good, one is better than the other, but that they're different. We get a chance to choose what we stand for in this world, Rabotai. Now, some people might want to do, their honesty is their thing. Another person might be that their thing is chesed. A third person might be that everything for them is, is study of Torah. Figure out, Rabotai, what your distilled message to the world is. We had a uh, arayat this past week for Mona Hadid. And her son stood up and the son said that he asked his mother before she passed what was her legacy to her children. This was a moment in the arayat that really moved me. What was her legacy to her children? He's asking someone on their deathbed. By the way, you have no chance now to reconfigure that. So she's thinking, she's thinking, she's thinking. She says, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. She says, but, but I was a great and loyal friend. But, I always told the truth. But, and then she said three, two things, three things that I think any one of us, if we could leave that legacy behind and people who, when they remembered us, were able to say, this is what they were. You know, you think of people, you say, oh, the guy's a nice guy. What does that mean? He passed you the salt once at breakfast, right? But if you ask something about someone, what was, you know, what's he like? Someone asks you sometimes at Shidduchim, what's, I don't know, what the, what's the family like? What do you want me to say? What's the family like? The guy sneezes very loud in shul. What do you want me to say? You know, sometimes you don't know what to say. Nice guy. You know, he comes to shul, he prays. He comes to the class sometimes afterwards, even when it's cold and it's outside, it's raining on him, right? Even when he has to eat breakfast out of a bag, right? The guy comes to, he's here for the crowd class. What are you going to say? But there's some people, you look at them, you understand who they are, and you're able to say very clearly that this is what the person stands for. And when we think of this person, that's what we say. I think that's the deep meaning of Zecher Tzadik Levracha, that when we say a person, that was Chamuvadia Zatzal, what you're saying is even the memory of the person brings about a beracha. Why? Because when we remember Chamovadia, what do we remember? A person whose absolute dedication to Torah was paramount. Was in his, he, he felt that the Torah should not belong only to people who study in yeshiva, but that even the cab driver, he should know halachot too. And he was the first person in that era to go online, have a shiur on the satellite, who came to his class Saturday night. It wasn't kolel guys. It was every taxi driver and bus driver and makolet owner. He did something that was unbelievable, Chamovadia. But that's Chamovadia's legacy. That was his flag, perhaps in a way, that other people don't know. If you think about what he left behind, what did he always say, and what's associated with his name? Lehachzir, atara, liyoshna, to return the crown to its glory. That's something, Rabotai, that all of us could spend a little time thinking of. If my number can't be rounded up, if I have to be there, if Moshe and Aaron, the great leaders of the generation, they have to count my number. You know, if they have to punch my ticket, what is my ticket about? What is the flag that I'm flying? And it's never too late 
to unfurl a flag and to fly it as high as you can to represent something in, the, in this world of ours. Whether it's being polite to people and making a Kiddush Hashem. What are you kids if they think of you? You know what? I, I asked someone the other day, what does your father remind you of? We dedicated the, the class. I said, well, tell me, when you, you, know, you think of your dad, what do you think of? And he thought, and he didn't say oh, a lot of things, nice guy. You know what he, you know what he said? He said, my, straight away, my father always knew how to make people smile. What a gorgeous thing for a son to be able to say clearly, unequivocally about his dad. My, my father always knew how to make people smile. And if you know that about a person, you know they're going to Gan Eden. Like the Gemara tells about Eliyahu and Avi with the story of the two people who made people smile in the marketplace. He asked, who here is going to Gan Eden? Eliyahu and Avi said, those two guys. He goes, who are you? They said, we're jokers. We like to make people, we like to make people laugh. We like to make people smile. Think, Rabotai, what your degel is. Okay? Ultimately, um, these are the things that we are able to leave behind us in this world. And this is the impact that we are capable of making. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya ben